Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the message. Luke 9, uh, 23 says this. It says, and he, that's so much better. (laughs) Except for now there's feedback. All right. says this, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow after me. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set your mind on the flesh is carnality, but to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Now turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're going to skip that one. Go to Psalm 37. <laughs> Psalm 37, verse 4. It says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of of your heart, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your Word this morning. God, we thank You that Your Word is alive today. God, Your Word declares that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So Lord, this morning, in the next few moments we have together, God, I pray that that Word would come alive inside of us. And as it comes alive inside of us, that we would be challenged. God, we would be encouraged. And ultimately, Lord, we would be changed. God, we thank you that we're going from glory to glory and from faith to faith in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We've been dealing with this issue called carnal Christianity. Uh, Is there such thing as carnal Christianity? We looked at the word carnal. What does the word carnal mean? The word carnal simply means flesh or fleshy. Then we looked at Christianity. What, What is Christianity? It means to be what? A Christ follower. I'm following after Christ. So if you put the two together, they really don't make sense. I'm a fleshy Christ follower. Okay, doesn't really make sense. But yet, in today's church, there has been this, this concept of carnal Christianity. That I can, I, can, I can come to church and say I'm a Christian and, and be in love with Jesus, but then the rest of the week, I'm living my life the way I want to live my life. Okay? There's a lot of problems with that, but one of the biggest problems is this, is that when other people who don't know Christ hear you say you know Christ, and they begin to observe your life, as they begin to observe your life, what do they see? They see exactly the same way they're living throughout the week, and the only difference is, is that you go to church on Sunday, okay? And so what do we produce? We produce large gatherings in our services on Sunday mornings, Saturday nights, Sunday nights, whatever it is, but we don't produce what Luke 9.23 says. If you desire to come after Jesus, you must what? Deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and go after him. 
Okay? Is, is, is God into big crowds? Yes, he's into one big wedding feast. Read about it in Revelations. And he wants, man, that big, that big following, that big, that big gathering. And man, when we come to meet him on his return, okay? Yes, he is into that. But listen to me. God is not into big gatherings on Sunday mornings for the sake of gatherings. God does not believe in carnal Christianity. Are you with me this morning? God is into this. He's into what Jesus said. If you really want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and begin to follow me. But yet for some reason, this concept has, has crept into the church. As so we've been looking at that, how has it crept into the church? And, and, and what is it all about? Really what it's all about is it's about this relationship being all about me. That Christianity has somehow become all about me. Okay, That whatever is comfortable for me, whatever fits for me, whatever works for me, then I'll fit in that into my Christianity box, okay? Carnal Christianity. And we began to look at several different things of why this has crept into the church. And the, number one, we looked at this. We looked at decisions versus salvations. And did we really just choose one day to decide, you know, decide to follow Jesus Christ? Or did Jesus interrupt our life with his love, grace, and mercy and say, hey, here I am. I offer a much better life. Are you with me? The Bible says this, that we cannot love him unless he what? First loves us. He chose us. We did not choose him. But yet because we today begin to talk about making a decision, hey, you should decide to follow Jesus. And we water down the grace, love, and mercy that interrupts our life. That somehow now our whole Christian experience becomes about a choice we made. Are you with me? And listen to me. If if your whole walk with Jesus Christ comes down to a choice that you made, then that's the way you're going to live your life. That, okay, let me evaluate this one. Okay, let's see. Okay, this one works for me. Okay, let me evaluate this one over here. Let's see. Okay, that works for me. What happened to Luke 9, 23? If you desire to come after Jesus, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and to begin to go after him. We begin to look at these things. We begin to look at the personality-driven church rather than the person-driven church. Now, somehow the church today has become more about the personality that's behind it rather than the person of Jesus Christ and how that leads into this and and breeds this carnal Christian experience. Last week, we talked about relationships versus friendships. We talked about that a real friend stabs you from the front, not from the back, okay? Okay, A real friend, you know what they do? They just get right in your face and say, hey, you're wrong, okay? And they stab you from the front rather than going and talking to everybody else about how they were wrong. Are you with me? But we like to feel good about ourselves. Why? Because our whole Christian experience goes back to a decision we made. And because the decision we made, okay, that fits me and that, that makes me feel good. Are you with me? Then now we surround ourselves with people that make us feel good. In other words, people that don't challenge us. Because a relationship accepts you for who you are, but a friendship challenges you in who you are and causes you to become better and pushes you on towards Jesus Christ. But I don't know about you, but it's not like I wake up every day saying, man, how can my wife challenge me? I hope she challenges me in this area today, okay? But if we really want to become truly devoted followers of Jesus Christ, if we really want to get to that place where we're denying ourselves, because we all got blind spots, ladies and gentlemen, okay? No one just loves to deny themselves, okay? And so God positions people around you to help you deny yourself, okay? And those are friends, and friends stab you from the front, not in the back. And today I want, to, I want to look at this. Today I want to look at this. It's your fantasy or his dream. Your fantasy or, 
or his dream. Because somehow the Christian experience has come about, become about a choice that we made, we now begin to make choices within our Christian experience, within our Christian life, that please us. Okay? Whether it's the friends, whether it's the church we attend, whether it's this and And so now we begin to make decisions that build us rather than build his kingdom. And if we begin to make decisions and choices like that, we are no longer building his dream. We are building our own fantasy lifestyle. Okay? Has anybody ever played fantasy football? No? One of you? Okay. Maybe not a good analogy. What is fantasy football? I mean, it's fantasy football is you, you get to draft your players, and they're from different teams, you know, and they, they're not even on the same team except for they're on your fantasy team. And depending on how they do in that game, has nothing to do with how the team does, has everything to do with how the individual, are you with me? Okay? The individuals that make up your team. So if you have somebody good on, you know, the Chargers, is there anybody good on the Chargers? We're still trying to figure that out. But... If you had a good player from the Chargers, let's say, and, and the team lost, but he did really good, your fantasy football team could still win, okay? That's a pretty cool concept, right? But it's called fantasy for a reason, okay? It's not reality. And so you build this whole team based on fantasy, and depending on how the individual does, man, then there's success. Man, my team won, even though they actually lost, because it's fantasy. The church has gotten to that same place. It's not so much about how the, how, the, how the church down the street does. As long as our church does good, then we succeed. Who cares about the rest of the body of Christ? Who cares about, you know, the other church over here and the other, or, or the guy on the street or, or, or my neighbor? Are you with me? As long as I choose my team, Urban, and we do good, we win. It's the reason why it's called fantasy football. And yet today in, in churches across the globe. And I, listen, I don't just mean churches as a structure, I mean churches as an individual. And we begin to build things unto ourselves rather than building his dream. And if you are not building his dream, because listen, ladies and gentlemen, his dream does not rise and fall on the success of Urban. Okay? His dream does not rise on the, uh, and fall on the success of you. His dream rises and falls on the success of of the body of Christ as a whole. Are you with me this morning? But yet somehow, some way, man, things have gotten off and we, we begin to, man, what, what works for me? Okay, what, what is the definition of a fantasy? Let me give it to you real quick. It's imagination, especially when extravagant and unrestrained. The forming of mental images, wonders or strange fancies. What's a dream? A dream is an inspiration or a goal. A dream is an inspiration or a goal and fantasy. What is fantasy? Fantasy is, fantasy is this. Fantasy is something you, you lay around thinking about all day long but never doing anything to achieve. Wow. Fantasy is something that just kind of goes through your mind and you, and you think about the person you want to be but you never do anything to get there. Wow. Fantasy is I lay around thinking about Luke 9.23. Wow. Wouldn't it be great to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow Jesus? I've even talked to people. Okay, this is the crazy thing. Is you, you, you talk to people, I'm sure you have as well, but as a pastor, I talk to people. 
And, and if you talk to him, so how, how are you doing right now? Well, I'm doing all right. You know, well, I'm actually not doing that good. So what's going on? Well, I'm just, you know, I, I, love, I love the party scene. I love just, you know, and I love this. And, you know, and okay, so you love it. Yeah, so this is what you want your life to be in five years. No, no way. And then they begin to describe to you their ideal life. This is what I want. And I want to I meet a woman like this or a man like that. And I would never want my kids to be like me. Well, then why are you like you? It's weird. They can literally describe to you what they want their life to be like and who they want to be. And then you talk to them about what they're doing right now. And it's like, no, I, I never want, no. In five years, I will not be this person. Yes, you will. Only worse. <laughs> okay? That's fantasy. Are you with me this morning? And they, they, they talk about this thing that they want to, are you with me, okay? And so there's, there's, there's the fantasy lifestyle that has crept into this church. Why? Because it's, it goes back to a choice we made, and so we make choices that make us feel good. But ultimately, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end, it's not, not so pretty. Not so pretty at all. Fantasy costs you nothing and will take you nowhere. A dream costs you everything, but will take you somewhere. Um, I talk to people all the time, and it's like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? You know, because I, I used to lead an internship, okay? We trained people for ministry. What do you want to do? I want to be a pastor. Awesome. You want to be a pastor. But then they're out getting, you know, slammed in the bars with their friends. What? Yeah, these are the people I want to pastor. So I thought I'd get drunk with them. They, they want to be a missionary. I want to be a missionary to the nations. But yet they can't even lead somebody in their neighborhood to Jesus Christ. Okay. What do you, I want to be a doctor. Awesome. What are you doing right now? Oh, I dropped out of high school. I'm going to get my GED. Okay. Then what? I'm just going to watch House. Because <laughs> he's a good doctor. He knows everything. What do you, I'm going to be a millionaire. But you can't even budget your allowance. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? That is a fantasy, ladies and gentlemen. Because the way you're living your life right now, unless you really give it over, unless you really do Luke 9.23, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and begin to follow after Jesus, what you're doing right now is the same thing you'll be doing in five years from now. It's a fantasy. Fantasy. Here's the thing I've come to realize in, in my short few years is this, is that, that if I really want to go after the dream of God, I've really got to die to myself. There's a verse in Luke that says this, it says this, it says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it can't spring forth fruit. Okay? Unless that seed dies, it can never, never grow. The whole entire gospel is centered on this one thing, die to yourself. No, this is like a really encouraging, edifying word today, huh? Gosh, okay. Die to yourself. And here's the thing. God does not ask us to do anything that he did not do. Because a God dream works like this. A God dream works like this. It, it, you realize what it is, and then it dies. And then it's resurrected, and it's fulfilled. That's a God dream. Look at the plan of salvation. Look at the plan of redemption. God planned it. Wow, there it is. 
This is how I'm going to save the world from their sins. This is what's going to happen. He planned it. And then what happened? He provided himself a sacrifice. Jesus Christ died for it. And then what happened? He was resurrected. And now the Holy Spirit is producing the results of salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you something. That this is the way that a God dream works. That you have to die to yourself. You have to die to your own ambitions. You have to die to your own and begin to pick up. Now here's the cool thing. We're going to get to in a minute Psalm 37.4. If you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desires of your heart. But you've got to walk through the process. There is nothing you will achieve or gain in this kingdom of God that you do not walk through that process. My own story. I remember when I was here in San Diego back in uh, uh, 1999, my wife and I started a youth ministry in Rancho Bernardo. Youth ministry is still going strong today. Internship, 22 interns. My wife and I helped birth that thing. 2005, God began to move us on. God had showed me so much that we were going to do in youth ministry. But in 2004, I began to get a desire. (laughs) I began to get a desire to plant a church in downtown. And I began to think about it. I began to dream. I began to talk about my wife about it. And one day my pastor asked me, hey, do you want to you start a church? I was like, yes. Thank God finally showed you too. Awesome. Huh, it's about time you listen to what God's saying, pastor. You know? Okay. <laughs> and so me and my pastor, me and my pastor says, you know what? It's, we're just not there as a church. It's not going to work right now. What do you mean it's not going to work? I have a whole journal full of things we are going to do in downtown. We are God's gift to downtown. Okay? I don't know if you caught that from God or not, but we are. Okay? And the conversation didn't quite go like that. I said, sorry, we, we can't release you to do that right now. Well, what are you releasing me to do? Well, you can stay here or go youth pastor somewhere else. <laughs> but I'm supposed to be a lead pastor. I mean, I have a whole journal. Journals don't lie. Except when you're junior high. I love Bobby. You know, whatever. Okay? I have this journal. And I have all these, you know, whatever. And I remember after this conversation, I was driving one day because I knew we were going to be youth pastors. And and yet there were still things that we have not yet done in youth ministry that I thought we would do. And I remember driving down the road and God hit me so hard. And I was pressing, God, why do I have this journal full of all the things we're going to do as lead pastors? I mean, what is this about? Why would you share all this with me? And what, what is this about? And I literally began to weep. And I had to pull, I, I remember the exact spot on the 15, just past the mall. And I pulled off the side of the road and I started crying. And God spoke to me. He said, Ben, he goes, now that I know that all of your dreams of youth ministry are over and it's dead and that you want to be a lead pastor, now that I know all of your energy and all of your ambition is dead to youth ministry, I'm going to resurrect it. And I'm going to use you in youth ministry. And I was, I was like, didn't see that one coming. <laughs> it's just like, curveball, you know. Didn't see it coming. And sure enough, God moved us from here to Vegas for three and a half years. And it was in Vegas where God literally began to release us in all the dreams and things he showed us for youth ministry, for the conferences we would do and the, and, the, and the needs we would meet and the people we would reach. And thank God we went because then God sent us a great team from Vegas back to here. I mean, if I would have tried to do that thing on my own in 2004, it would have been me and my wife and, 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 and a, and a, and a four-month-old and a three-year-old. That would have been scary. But because... 
I was after a God dream and not a fantasy. God took care of it all. The dream for youth ministry died. He resurrected it. He fulfilled it in Vegas. In Vegas, we met such great people that, man, God took us back to here to start this church with 30-something people, a great worship leader, great media team, people that are doing websites and all this stuff. I'm just like, wow. It's so worth listening to God. It's so worth not living in a fan. It's so much better to live in a dream. Didn't see it coming. Right about the time. Man, we thought youth ministry was going so great in Vegas, man. And, and, you know, man, things are awesome. And, wow, look at this. And we just did this youth conference, you know, with, with these people. And all these kids showed up. And it was just huge. And we were just like, babe, this is awesome. Look what's happening. A couple days later, God knocks on the door again. Hey, yeah, now that your dream to be a lead pastor is gone. Yes, I remember this conversation. <laughs> You're going to move. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's the way God does it. But if you do it God's way, it's it's no longer a fantasy. It's it's, it's a dream if you do it God's way. God has a dream. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, that, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to know him. It's a God dream. It's his dream. So therefore, what happens? I delight myself in him, and and now his dream becomes my dream. And now everything I want to do with my life has two purposes. has the purpose of glorifying him and winning souls into his kingdom. Because now his dream has become my dream. Great story in the Old Testament about a man named Abraham, Genesis 15, 5. Just jot it down. And in this story... God comes to Abram and says, Abram, I want you to come out and I want you to do something. He comes out and he goes, I want you to look up at all the stars. And as far as you can see and as many as you can count, so shall your descendants be. Poor wife. (laughs) Wow. It's awesome. But Abraham understood something. It had nothing to do with him. It had nothing to do with his wealth or prosperity. Like, yeah, that's going to be all mine. And man, look at all this, man. It's going to be, I'm going to possess it mine he understood something had nothing to do with him and had everything to do about the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ he understood that but somehow today we miss that and God begins to give us a glimpse of something and we're like yeah that's that's what I'm going to be that's what I'm going to do and all of our energy begins to focus on doing that for us pastors are notorious for it including myself now look at all the things we're going to do We've got to remember, and it's all about him. It's all about his kingdom. Just, if you don't believe, write Genesis 11 down. Go back and read that one. Tower of Babel. They totally missed what God said and began to build something under themselves. As believers, it happens to us all the time. We miss what God, and we begin to build something under ourselves. Listen to me. The church does not exist for the pastors and leadership. The church exists for people. Let me say it again. The church does not exist for me to write a book and get it published. Look at my book. Isn't that great? You can buy a copy on the way out. They're on sale today for $19.99. The church does not exist for me to one day, you know, have the, have the greatest Twitter. How many Twitter followers do you have? 3,976. Do you know them? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> Not, no, that's not, not what it's here for. 
The church is here to promote Jesus Christ and his kingdom and to win people that are lost. Are you with me this morning? And if that ever gets off, ladies and gentlemen, we are building a fantasy, not a dream. Because we've got to be building a God dream. Let's just finish up real quickly. Psalm 37, 4. If you didn't catch this, just write this down. The process of of a God dream. It's this, it's the realization of the dream, it's the death of the dream, and then it's the fulfillment of the dream. Just look at the life of Joseph, the life of David, the life of whoever in the Bible. (laughs) See what happens. How long it takes him to get to that place. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But you can't leave verse 5 off. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act and who will act delight yourself lord he'll give you the desires of your heart he'll give you the dream that's inside of you all that stuff will happen okay let's just look at this verse real quick because the, the 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 word there delight if you if you study the bible you understand this that the word picture there is literally a potter that has clay in his hands so for me to delight myself in the lord okay now we love that verse you know Delight, yes. Get up and read my Bible with my cup of coffee. You know, sit there by the whatever you sit by. <laughs> Drinking coffee, reading your Bible, and man, go to church, looking all pretty. Mingle with your buddies, your friends, go to community group. I'm delighting myself in the Lord. He's going to give me the desires of my heart, okay? But if you actually study the scripture and commit your ways to him, the picture is this, okay? It's a potter, okay? Now, obviously, the potter has, has something in mind, okay? He doesn't just sit there and start, you know, grabbing the clay and just, there it is, piece of art, okay? He has something in mind that he wants to create. He has, he has a dream in mind. And so he sees it and he visualizes it And then the clay does one thing. It rests in the hand of the potter. Okay? But yet today, here's what we do. This is you. It's you. Okay? And you have a vision of what you want to become. I want to be a green beautiful, shiny vase with kind of a gray thing at the top, okay? It's a vision of what you want to become. Here's what you do. Oh, man, I really want to be that someday. I'd really love to be green and shiny, like a Martian. You think about what you want to become, and you talk to others about how one day when, and that this thing and that thing, and you might even go to church, But there's one thing you have to do. You have to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow after him. If we really understand the word delight in the Bible, see, we totally miss it. Why? We miss it because because Christianity has become about being comfortable. How comfortable my life can be. I mean, some of you are sitting in these chairs like, I'm never coming back to this church again. They got metal chairs. I'm going to that one church. They got the nice folding soft ones. Because it's all about being comfortable. Okay? comfortable 
It's, it's become so much about being comfortable that, that oftentimes, maybe you don't sin, I do every once in a while still, okay? And when I mess up and I blow it and I sin, one of the first things I want to do is I want to go and grab my Bible. Why? Because it makes me feel good about myself. Now, that's a great place to turn, don't get me wrong. But if you're turning just to feel good about yourself, God, I really blew it. Where's that scripture? Although a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up. Yes, I like that one. Okay. Get up. Get up. Okay. We've missed it. Because we can't read our way into grace. <laughs> the very definition of grace, the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. Okay. But if we understand Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. This is what it means. It means we get into God's hands and he begins to do this to us. Don't like that part. Oh, you got a little lust over here? Oh, is that anger in there? There he is. What are we doing? We're delighting. <laughs> Isn't delighting a fun process? We're committing our ways to the Lord. What's, oh, you hate the pastor? Oh, okay, hold on. Oh, that was a lot of hate, you know, whatever, you know. Okay. What are we doing? We're, we're delighting. We're becoming that. But we think becoming that is all about how good I feel. me you know but no you commit your way to him you delight yourself in the lord and wow it really doesn't feel that good it actually kind of hurts occasionally it's getting close man it's a process that we go through of him molding us sculpting us what are we doing we're delighting ourselves in the lord so that we can become And all the while, while you're delighting, God is literally taking things out of your life and putting other things in. You know, the way they do the clay, they pour a little water on it, make it softer, more more moldable. Are you with me? One of the symbols of the Holy uh, Holy Spirit is water. Are you with me? So you get a little Holy Spirit in your life. You get some word in your life. and, And what's he doing? Man, you get some correction in your life. You get some correction in your life. So you can get some direction in your life. Are you with me this morning? And all the while, man, I'm delighting myself, and sometimes it hurts. Sometimes the potter actually even gets out a little knife. Remember, you get stabbed from the front, from the back. Cuts a little piece off there, and then he gets on that wheel, and it starts spinning. (laughs) Man, it's painful. The only way you'll look like that is if you continue to delight yourself in the Lord. You continue to commit your way to him. Real quick, let me give this. We're done. We're going to go eat some Chick-fil-A. Praise Jesus. You know it's his dream and not your fantasy if, number one, it gets challenged often. It gets challenged often. You know that you're in the process, you're in the will of God if your dream gets challenged. The Bible says this. The Bible says in, uh, in Luke 6.26, you know, be a little bit cautious if everybody speaks well of you. What do we like to do? Surround ourselves with people that, oh, you're the best. Be careful. 
Everybody's speaking well of you all the time. Now, that is not an excuse to tick people off. All right? Okay? And have as many people hate you as possible. Oh, I'm really in the kingdom of God. Look at all these people that hate me, you know? No, that's dumb. Okay? But man... It is a God dream if it gets challenged often. Man, read about the life of Joseph. You talk about, man, a dream. Look, guys, I had a dream, and all your sheaves were bowing down to me. Whoop, in the pit. Talk about being challenged. Guys, help. One brother begins to feel a little sorry for him, gets him out, sold into slavery. What is that? He's getting delighted in the Lord. Potiphar's house, the witch that... Potiphar lives with, you know, <laughs> lies, goes to prison. 17 years later, the realization of the dream. <laughs> you, know, you know it's a God dream if it gets challenged often. Number two, you know it's a God dream and not your fantasy if he corrects you frequently. And by he, I mean capital H, God. He corrects you frequently. It's a God dream if he corrects you frequently. Now, now, now you got to understand something, that God has people in your life that he uses. Because I don't know about you, but I would much rather have someone that God uses come to me and correct me than God himself show up and correct me. I'd be freaked out. Because he's big. That'd be one big paddle. Are you with me? <laughs> Bend over. Take it like a man. You know? It's a big paddle. Okay? So he uses people. But you know it's a God dream if he corrects you frequently. Hebrews 12, 6 says this, Whom the Lord loves, he hastens. If you haven't got beat lately, I might not love you. Are you with me? Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And no chastening is fun at the moment, but yet it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And just read that whole scripture. Read it in the King James Version. I like some words it uses. Because the Bible actually calls you something if you're not being corrected by God. I'll let you read it and figure it out, okay? <laughs> wow. I know it's a God dream if it gets challenged often. Number two, if he corrects you frequently. Why does he correct me frequently? Because it's not about you. It's about him. Now, I don't know about you, but I am cautious of leadership that, that, that has no accountability. Okay? I'm cautious of it. Why? Because they answer to no one. And that's how, I'm telling you, you talk about a fantasy lifestyle. And they get into this mode where now they deserve something because they've given up so much for the kingdom of God. I, I, I deserve that. Why? Because I've given up something. If we ever get to the place where we think we deserve something, we're living in a fantasy, not a dream. I deserve nothing. Yet by the grace of God, I am who I am. I, I, I get leery of, of, of those that don't have accountability, don't have people they're answering to. Because, man, how, how are they going to get corrected? How they, how they, why does God correct us? He corrects us. Paranormal activity. We should have caught that on film. We could have made money. Why does he correct us? Because he cares more about his dream. Are you a part of it? Yeah, if you're in his hands, you're a part of it. But he cares about his dream so much that he comes. Last, let's finish here. You know it's his dream and not your fantasy 
if you are one step closer today than you were yesterday. There must be progression. There must be. And listen to me, progression doesn't mean more people. Progression doesn't mean more first Sundays. Progression means I'm looking more like what he wants me to look like every day. It doesn't mean I have more money, more cars, more homes, more friends. It means, wow, you're looking a lot more like what God wants you to look like. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, man, we're going from glory to glory. We're not staying at glory to glory. We're going from glory to glory. Romans 1.17 says we're going from faith to faith. What is that? that that's progression. That's progression. That's progression. I, I've worked with youth, uh, youth for a long time, more than I've actually done this. And one thing we're working with youth, man, is, man, I love imagination, and imagination is good. But at some point, there's got to be some action, some, some motion to their imagination, or it's just a fantasy. And you talk to some people, you know, and I, I, even in college, man, I played basketball in, 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 in like, what, like second grade I started playing. And I didn't stop playing. And, man, I made it to high school, and I, I got on the varsity team my freshman year, and I was like, yeah, all right. I gave up football one year, you know, the last three years just to focus on basketball. Why? Because I wanted to play basketball in college. So I went on from high school, and I played basketball in college. And I began to realize in college that I would probably never make it to the pros. Okay. So what did I do? I began to look at overseas, and I actually talked to some, some European leagues overseas. And so I was like, all right, you know. The more I tried, the more I practiced, I realized I'm not going to cut it over there either. Okay? Need more than good looks and height. It's a joke. I don't know. But in that, in that process, I talked to so many people. I talked to one guy, man, and he had the shorts on, the shoes on. Man, he looked more like a basketball player than I did until he got on the basketball court. Dude, you play basketball? Oh, yeah, I play basketball. Did you play in high school? No, nope. but I'm going to go to the pros. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a late bloomer. Realized a little later in life that I'm pretty good. Tried out for the team, got cut. Oh, it was just a bad week, you know. <laughs> Working with youth, man, I talked. I'm like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, I want to I do this with my life. What are you doing now? And everything they're doing is completely contrary. Talk to junior high. Oh, I want to be in the NBA. Awesome. Are you on, are you on the junior high team? No. I'm going to wait until I get to high school because that's where it's really at. Okay. They become a freshman in high school. Okay, about your dream, and you're going to go play pros. Yeah, I'm going to go play pros. Okay, so you're trying out? No, I'm going to wait until my sophomore year. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to work out, hit the gym, and then my sophomore year, I'm going to try out for the team. Sophomore year rolls around. All right, man, you're going to the pros, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure I make tryouts, you know. Did you make it to tryouts? No, I'm really thinking that because I don't want to play on the JV team. I want to play on the varsity team, so I'm going to wait until my junior year to try out. Junior year rolls around. Hey, you, you going to try out for basketball? No, you know what? I think I'm just going to work out with my buddies, and I'll wait till they get to college. You still going pros? Oh, man, I'm going pros. They never gave themselves to it. Therefore, they never became. Just this week, last week, working with people, I don't want to get my life right with God. I want to get my life right with God. Okay, well, let's talk. Okay? Step one. Do you have a Bible? Yeah. I have seven of them. 
Okay, do you read them? No. Okay, let's start reading them. Okay, we have an online devotional and Bible reading plan right there for you. Just click on that every day. Okay. Okay, now come to church. Okay, can you get to church? Oh yeah. Are they here? No. <laughs> I really want to get my life right with God. I really want to. This is not who I want to be. Then you've got to delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to Him. And as you delight in Him, as you commit your way to Him, man, you don't have to settle for this life. You don't have to settle for subpar Christianity. You don't have to settle for carnal Christianity. You don't have to settle for dealing with the same issues you dealt with yesterday. You don't have to settle for that. All you have to do is deny yourself Pick up your cross and begin to go after him. If you do not do that, if you do not delight yourself in the Lord and commit your way to him, ladies and gentlemen, you are living a fantasy Christian life because you're not a Christian at all. You can profess anything you want. Oh, I want to look like that one day. I want to look like that one. I want to look like that. You're going to be a lump of clay. You can talk about how, what church you go to. You can talk about, man, who's your pastor? Who your daddy? Okay. You can talk about all that stuff, ladies and gentlemen, but it's not until you begin to delight yourself in the Lord and commit your ways to him that there is a transformation that takes place when God begins to work in you and God begins to work on you. And literally there's a, what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Matthew chapter three, we've got to bear fruit worthy of repentance. Repentance was not me one day saying a prayer. Repentance was not me one day saying, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus today. Repentance was not me coming up and boo-hooing at a, at a front of a, a junkie stage. Repentance was me realizing that I don't want to look like this in five years, so I'm going to commit myself to him so that I will be different in five years. I'm going to delight myself. I'm going to commit myself to him. And as I do that, then my life begins to change, and I begin to bear fruit worthy of repentance. Are you with me this morning? That is the same process for me. It's the same process for you. It's the same process for everyone around the world. I have a fear that so many of us are going to wake up on that day when Jesus returns and realize we've been living a fantasy and not his dream. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, just wait till the end. Because there'll be those that come and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name? Did we not have first Sunday in your name? Did we not, did we not set up these wonderful chairs in your name? What's he going to say? You were living a fantasy. Depart from me. I, I don't know you. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I don't want that to be my day. I want to be that day when I step up and, and I look like this. Shiny. What does the Bible say? He's coming back for his pure, spotless bride. And the only way that happens is I continue to delight myself in him, commit my ways to him, and then his dream becomes my dream. And I'm building it for his kingdom and his glory and not my own. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would literally come and just put your finger on areas in my life. God, things that I have yet to surrender to you. Lord, that my delighting process would not stop because I'm called a pastor. 
God, that my delighting process would not stop because I've somehow come to know to call myself Christian. But Lord, we would continue to delight ourselves in you, commit our ways to you. And in the process of doing that, God, give us the desires of our heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray not just my heart, but I pray for everyone in this place right now. God, I pray for those, Lord, that are here today and, and there's some stuff. God, it's like this lump of clay and you're molding it and there's some, there's some stuff that needs to be chiseled off. There's some stuff that needs to be ripped out. God, I pray right now that, Lord, you put the finger on that stuff. God, you put the, the finger on that impurity, that imperfection. God, you put the finger on that lust, on that anger, on that bitterness, on that unforgiveness, on that resentment. God, you put your finger on that carnality. God, you put your finger on that party and lifestyle on the weekend, but, 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 but then we try to get to church to appease our conscience. God, I pray you put the finger on the one, Lord God, that's trying to gain access into your kingdom by promoting their ministry. God, I pray, Lord God, you put your finger on the area called pride. Hallelujah. 